This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Teresa McLaughlin, CFO of Calabrio, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 251. How as a finance leader are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Dave Pomeroy, Chief Financial Officer for data solutions firm BDNA. Listen to our complete interview with Dave after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking to Dave Palmer, CFO of enterprise data company BDNA. One of the things, BDNA was behind Technopedia, a regular resource slash repository for market intelligence in the realm of enterprise software and hardware. If that's your space, you would certainly know BDNA. Uh, Dave's career includes earlier tours of duty at Apple, Yahoo, and Microsoft. So we, uh, we're looking forward to learning something of his career journey today. Dave, welcome. Hey, thank you, Jack. Appreciate uh, being on your show today. So if you wouldn't mind, we always begin by uh, asking you to take us back in time and, and share a little bit about the career experiences you've had to help prepare you uh, for the role of a finance leader. Sure, happy to do that. Uh, let me go back to when, uh, sometime, sometime ago in the late 90s when I worked as controller at uh, WebTV. And if you know WebTV World, uh, we built uh, set-top boxes and brought internet to the television. And uh, I had the opportunity to be the controller there and working for a small startup company as controller, you get lots of exposure to things in finance and accounting. So I had the opportunity to build billing systems set up accounting and reporting, uh, grow the entire financial planning and analysis, and then eventually sold the company uh, to Microsoft. And, uh, you know, I think all those experience in a hyper-growth situation really, you know, I learned a lot and was able to get some great foundations in my career. I think another milestone uh, around my journey as well as uh, when I worked at Apple I led the finance team for the Apple online store, uh, which is the online store that sold Macs, iPods, iPhones, etc. 
uh, once a week to go through the nitty-gritty details of all of these different forecasts that all of the channels put together. Dave, is there any any uh, any unique cultural nuance that you recall? Well, I think yeah, part of the success of that company is due to the culture. And uh, you know, many of the people that come to work at Apple were handpicked and interviewed and hired for the culture. It's not necessarily you know, how the meetings go or how people run projects, but it's you know, the spirit and the way in which people work, um, incredible attention to detail, uh, but also being able to think through the big picture and what makes a difference. And, you know, stories, whether you're putting in business processes or, you know, putting features on the online store or designing some of the products, but it's just, you know, rinse and repeat, and it's looking at the details and keep looking at, looking at, working at until it comes out to be you know, Apple quality. Now, before Apple, you were at Yahoo, the middle part of the last uh, decade, a very different time than today, a more formative time, perhaps, for the search firm. Can you reflect on that for us, that experience? Well, it was a very different experience. And, uh, you know, I'd say all of the strength that Apple has in its, you know, pure focus and execution, Yahoo is in a different time and a different place, uh, and the Internet was just being born and grown, and so it's much more of a, uh, you know, a unstructured environment that some of these businesses grew hyper-fast, uh, where people you were know, inventing and creating and figuring out what the internet was all about. Now, Dave, we'd like to ask for what we call an aha moment, a moment of strategic finance insight that you've had along the way in your career. Might be at Yahoo, might be at Apple, could be at BDNA. Uh, but what would that be? Would you have a, a moment of strategic insight? that led you to point uh, the organization in a new direction or to pursue a new opportunity or look at the world a little differently? You know, one thing that happened back in the WebTV days, um, which I think has been formative in my career and a great example for finance professionals, is, is, is dealing with the economics of our subscription business. And, and for the listeners that don't know what the business model was, is we sold set-top boxes uh, and had customers subscribe to a monthly service fee. It's very much like a cell phone model where the, the handsets are subsidized and there's a monthly recurring subscription fee. And back in that time, we were spending over $200 per customer to bring in new customers, you know, between $100 subsidy on a set-top box and a large uh, marketing budget. And, you know, we got into these debates between you know, my, myself, who's the finance leader, and the management team about are we spending too much to acquire customers, and you know, it became a debate. And so what I did is I went off and I built a model. And basically it was a subscriber economic model. So we could model one particular subscriber, how much we spent to acquire that subscriber, and that what we expected to be the future revenue stream, margin stream, cash flows of that subscriber. And then by doing this, I had a framework that then we could have very productive discussions between finance and management and marketing about what do we need to believe about the business model, about paying for these subscribers to come into the system, how long do they need to stay, and how much can we make on each subscriber over time. And I think what this was a platform that we began to use to not only evaluate marketing decisions, distribution decisions, or economic decisions about the product, but it also helped us align business reviews and people knew what the goals were we were looking toward because we might start with a product launch where 
we're spending too much in marketing and not making enough on the subscription fee on the back end. And then we continue to refine over time and then build up and get to an economic model which is longer term sustainable for the company. So I think what the lesson for me here was is you can really use Excel and model out scenarios and work and collaborate with people to help them understand the point of view and hopefully channel you know, success over time by uh, getting to, in this case, an economic model that worked for both growing the business as well as eventually making some money. We've been uh, speaking with CFOs increasingly now about the workforce and the way they're playing and addressing some of the people challenges that companies face. I think you mentioned uh, an executive scorecard earlier. I'm not sure if that has something to do with uh, performance or what have you, but what would you uh, share with us in terms of uh, the workforce and the people challenges that every company, particularly high-tech companies, face? All right, Jack. Happy to. You know, we are based in Mountain View, uh, which is the heart of Silicon Valley, and it's definitely a demanding uh, place to attract and retain and keep talent with all the competition. And we, we really like to manage the talent by listening to what employees want. We do you know, regular employee surveys and try to get the heartbeat of what's going on with the organization and then put programs in place to make sure where we work is a great place to work and we can continue to attract and retain and develop the talent we have. So we've also recently expanded uh, into Ireland. Uh, which we found a great pocket of development talent. You know, we are a software company, so bringing on developers and engineers and to build our products into the future, and we found that to be a great opportunity to bring in new talent into the company in a market where people are very hungry uh, to work with Silicon Valley firms. Okay. We'll now come to the mentoring round where we ask you several quick questions. Does that inspire and offer advice to aspiring finance leaders? What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? Well, I'd say for the finance function, the finance leader, there's just so many tools and services and products available in the market to help us do our jobs better. There's so many staff solutions that we can bring in to make functions more efficient or effective. Uh, we have different um, training and learning opportunities to bring best practices into the company, and I think it allows the finance organization to be real business partners and business leaders and help as true infrastructure providers and developers to help grow a company going forward. What would you recommend to someone beginning their finance career to do? Would you recommend that they join a startup or a larger finance organization? Well, I think there's value in working in both kinds of environments. And I think people starting up a finance career, there's, there's nothing to be substituted about going to work for a large established company with great training programs, and you can learn a lot in a very short amount of time. So I recommend people in the very early stages of their career going to some larger accounting, consulting, Fortune 500 companies getting into their you know, finance programs and really learning for five to ten years, working their way up through those organizations. And then from there, once you have a skill set and some competencies in finance and the way you work, 
you can go off to smaller companies and really contribute and learn an incredible amount because the taste of business happens so quickly at smaller organizations. I forget if um, you mentioned to us uh, that you were at first and young originally, and it looks like you were in the uh, uh, Silicon Valley region for EMY. Is that right? That's correct. And at the time, were you auditing both uh, sort of startups and high tech, or were you specializing in one area? No, well, we served the clients that were in our geographic area at the time, and those included uh, hardware and software companies. I worked a number of biotech companies, and the range of company size was from tiny startups to larger uh, multinationals. One of my biggest clients was Sun Microsystems at the time, which, as you well know, is part of Oracle now. <laughs> Your career really does trace uh, the last 20 years of headlines for that, uh, for that region, for that sector. Okay. I would always like to ask if you have a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success. Well, Jack, I um, like to, to live my life in a certain way, and, and I'd say that uh, it comes from a, a framework that probably time is the most precious resource that people have. And I try to put habits in place to manage my time. And I believe that uh, setting objectives and being just vicious at prioritizing those objectives and continuing to focus on those objectives is really, really important. And that transcends not only my work life, but also my personal life. And, you know, I need to make time and prioritization for my friends, my family, my health. Uh, and so I like to balance uh, that along with my work and uh, make sure that I am you know, mentally and physically sharp uh, to attack every day. Focusing on this one sector, one uh, perhaps uh, dividend was the fact that you didn't have to become a corporate gypsy and travel around the country with different companies. I, I'm sure there was plenty of travel, but you followed me. You didn't have to relocate. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate uh, that I live and work in Silicon Valley because Silicon Valley is one of the most unique places on the planet. Uh, and in fact, a funny story is I went to Wharton Business School in Philadelphia, and uh, I really wanted to happen. I, I really wanted to come back to Silicon Valley, and all of my peers at school wanted to go investment banking or consulting, and I think I really, really think they were going to go to Silicon Valley, and uh, I'm glad I I'm glad I returned, and it's been a really energizing place to to learn and also you know create a career and a family. Is there a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Yeah, I try to read quite a bit, and I like to consume a bunch of media to make sure I'm constantly learning and getting other perspectives on uh, myself and career. And one of the books that I read, I think it was back when I was at Yahoo, was a book called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. And this really has nothing to do with finance. Uh, but it's by a person by the name of Ray Varnish. And really, I call it an operating system of how to run a business, and he focuses mostly on small business, but it's a combination of stories and anecdotes and how-to guides and frameworks about how to operate a, a small, medium business and grow a business. And he's since written sort of version two of this, which is called Scaling Up, 
And, you know, for me personally, I think I've taken a lot of the lessons out of those two books and applied them both in leading my finance teams as well as partnering with the businesses I've worked in and helping them grow. And uh, it's kind of a common thread that I've had throughout my roles ever since I worked at Yahoo. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, final question. What are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? Well, Jack, it's just great because I've only been at this company for four months now and we're just getting started. And so while I inherited a team that I joined that's a really great group of people, and doing excellent work, we need to continuously improve and scale up as the company grows. And, and I'd love to set an agenda where we can continue to add more value and do what we do more efficiently so we don't have to grow the team a lot in order for the company to double in size. And so I look at growing you know, teams as a combination of people and process and technology and what we really need to do is continue to develop our people so they can learn and scale up and continue to do new things for the business. We also need to streamline and automate our business processes, and they all work great for our function today. But as the company grows, they need to evolve and change and handle new challenges that we see coming up in the business. And then I see, you know, core to that is making sure we bring in the technology investments we need to do in order to implement the better processes and, um, and automation, and we'll look at key investments in that area. And I think between those items, we can really help our team and our company scale up for the future. Dave Pomeroy, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks for that, Jack. It's been a lot of fun. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. We want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. 
We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader mug at zero cost. So visit us at CFOThoughtLeader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you.